Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. I'm Heather Evans. When my twins were born at 24 weeks gestation, I began to think about the uniqueness of each of our motherhood journeys. I also began to understand the importance of education and support from other moms, no matter how different our lives may be. Each episode will highlight one mother's journey and the lessons she has learned on this crazy path we call life. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. Welcome back to the Mama Sisterhood. I have Megan Scanlon with me here today. Hi, Megan. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. I met Megan because our kiddos, actually, we didn't realize, swim on the same swim team. So she is one of my local friends. And Megan, if you wouldn't mind, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, where you live, what you do, just anything you'd like to share about that? Sure. Um, We live in Lee Summit, Missouri. We've been here for about 12 or 15 years. Um, Grew up pretty local and um, we have four kids now and we've been married. It will be about 20 years in a few months. That's so, awesome. That's a big one. Are you guys doing anything fun to celebrate 20 years? I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to debate if I can make a, a trip to Italy work. It's always been on my bucket list, but I know I can't go for two weeks. Like I want to go. I mean, with four kids, it's hard to get babysitters lined up, but I'm sure. um, that's awesome though. Not maybe just you know, like Cancun or we love beaches too, but I've always wanted to go to Italy and Greece. I don't think we could do both countries in a short time, but I'm looking into it to see if we could swing it. We have a lot of family, but I would definitely have to do it on like a school week where all the kids would be in school to make it a little bit easier on the grandparents, but you should totally do a really big ask to the grandparents, but we'll Well, see. But it's 20 years. That's a big one. And I I'm know. Sure people and then part of me is like, you... maybe I should wait till 25 to no. take vacation, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I think you should do 20. Yeah. So Megan, the cool, well, there's lots of cool things about Megan's story, but um, one of the most unique things about your story is, so you're a mom of four. Yes. Um, and, but you came about all these kiddos in three different ways. Very unique so, ways, yes. Yeah. So why don't we start? Um, well, first of all, how old are all your four kids now? I have an 11-year-old daughter, Ellie, mm-hmm. um, who is going into the fifth grade. And then I have twins that just turned five, boy-girl twins, Zachary and Emerson. And then I have a three-year-old, Rowan. Okay. And he just goes to part-time preschool. Gotcha. So I have my twins start in kindergarten soon. It's very bittersweet. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, Yes. Well, we can, we can talk about that after the show too, because I'm guessing they'll be at the same school as, as my kiddos too. So, (laughs) um, so why don't we start talking about Ellie first? So since she's your oldest, so tell us a little bit about, um, Ellie's story. Okay. So we had been married a while and, um, at the time that we, um, we found out about Ellie, we had been on our infertility journey for a while. And we had sought, you know, all the things with insurance, like insurance covered very minimal things like mm-hmm. IUIs, they would provide two in your lifetime. Well, we did those two. And then, you know, we tried Clomid and some simple things. We saw a doctor, but at the time we weren't really sure much like most people that go through infertility, you're not exactly sure what to do because everything's expensive. <laughs> Everything expensive. is overwhelming. And sometimes as in our case, we just weren't completely on the same page about what to do when, like, you know, I would want to try for adoption. My husband's like, I'm not quite ready for that. Let's try this first or wait another year. Then I would say, let's 
foster to adopt or pray about that. And my husband's like, no way, <laughs> you know, or just we're kind of on different pages. But at that point, we had been trying to have kids for quite some time. And everybody in our family knew that we really wanted a baby and that we were considering now other options because we had tried the good old fashioned way, tried a few things with doctors, not IVF yet. We weren't quite um, financially or just ready for that yet. We were getting there. We had <laughs> signed up for to meet a doctor about it, but we weren't quite there yet. Um, so we were just, just praying about what direction to take. Um, adoption was on our radar. I'd started researching adoption agencies, but it was also very overwhelming because unbeknownst to me, it's actually super expensive. Um, I've heard, I've heard it's very like, yeah, just it, it's very expensive. Um, and there was quite a range and then there was quite a few adoption agencies to look into. So I had started having a notebook, like researching the agencies and the pros and cons. And, you know, this one's a little more expensive, but it might be smooth sailing or this one, it might take longer, but you know, so those, things we really were trying not to go into a huge amount of debt to, no matter how we started our family but it was a challenge just yeah. like many people face so um while we're in the waiting period as I like to look back and call it now it's a very long waiting period but um we got a call and this is crazy I don't even know if I can say it the right way we got a call one night or I got a call from Matt's aunt's sister's best friend's dad. <laughs> wow. Okay. That worked with a lady at his work that was asking people at his, you know, she was asking people, I'm sorry, not he, she was asking around at her job if anyone knew of anybody that wanted to adopt because she just found out her niece was seven months pregnant and had zero prenatal care and had just come to California, you know, from California to live with her. And she was, 15 and kind of had just a rough upbringing, rough family life. Um, not a lot of people in her life to support her and her aunt was supportive, but had already raised her kids and just really had no interest in helping her become a 15 year old mom, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So seven months pregnant, no adoption agency, no prenatal care. And that information trickled back down to me five times removed, which I think in and of itself is a pretty big miracle. It, absolutely. That, you know, it definitely meant that to information me. was, you know, they were at bunco night and they were just talking and Matt's aunt was like, well, I think Megan and Matt have really wanted to have a baby. They, you know, they talk openly about it and they've been thinking about adoption. Let's call her right now. So on the way home from Bunko, they uh, called and they were all excited. And I had kind of been there before where we had been approached about adopting mm -hmm. another baby and it fell through. So I was kind of like trying not to get my hopes up, but I said, of course, if, you know, the birth mom or the aunt would like to meet with me, you know, of course we'd be interested, but I tried not to get my hopes up. Yeah. Well, um, we, I met with her, um, at Panera bread with her aunt, the, the following Saturday. And at the time my husband was out of town at work and he was a little hesitant, but mm -hmm. said I could meet with her, but you know, I felt like I was going to like the hardest job interview of my life. I know this uh, was like 15, but I, I remember like, yeah driving there and feeling nauseated just because we weren't going through an agency. I didn't have a lot of prep time. Mm -hmm. I didn't really even know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, so it felt like, Oh, if she likes me, she might pick me. And if I don't say the right things, she might not like me, but I just kind of prayed about it on the way there. And I'm like, I'm just going to be myself. And mm -hmm. if it's meant to be, um, you know, she'll choose me. I'm not going to 
try to say the answer she, you know, that I think she wants to say, but long story short, she ended up liking me and wanted to meet my husband. And so because we're not through an agency, we had no restrictions. So we just had her over her and her aunt over to our house for dinner the next week. And, um, that whole week (laughs) I had been working on my husband because, um, he, and it's so crazy now because he adores our daughter, Ellie, but you know, at the time, just like most men, I think women have a stronger maternal instinct of like, this is what I want, you know, and Mm -hmm. this is, um, I'm going to do anything to get there, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, I'm willing to do it. And you just have just kind of that instinctual desire. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a little bit stronger sometimes than guys are like, I want to be a dad, but you know, Mm -hmm. they're just really nervous. And so my husband was very nervous about this whole thing. It kind of came on us suddenly. Like I said, it was going to be private because she hadn't joined an adoption agency yet. And she was willing to meet with us privately, which we knew that that was huge because Mm -hmm. obviously you're taking out the middleman and but it's also a bigger risk too, because she could change your mind. So mm-hmm. he was just really nervous and really wanting us to wait. Like what you said, we would try this IVF first and we were saving money for that. Like, I just feel like we're jumping the gun, but I'm just so nervous. And I'm just not sure I can really love, you know, I I'm just nervous. Maybe I won't love her as much as she deserves to be loved. I'm just, I'm really nervous. So, um, that week I had Matt meet with another, um, some friends of ours had adopted like a year prior. And he was like, man, I had all of these same emotions, buddy. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. some people don't like to talk about it. Cause it makes you sound like a bad person. You're not, you're just normal. You know, you're a guy and this is hard and it is scary, but I can tell you that if, if this is meant to be, and you know, this baby ends up being your child, um, you won't regret it and you will fall in love. I promise. And so that kind of reassured Matt, but I remember when Brittany walked in our house, she was just, you know, a young scared girl who had kind of hidden her pregnancy from her aunt for quite some time. The birth dad was in California and not involved. Um, also like young 15 or 16. And, um, as soon as Brittany walked in the house, I just like kind of locked eyes with my husband and I just knew like right then, that he had decided. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he just needed to see her belly. It was just like, it became very real. Like, Mm -hmm. wow. I think he just had this overwhelming sense of peace. Like he would describe it later, um, that this might be our child, you know, and we kind of both felt that peace in that moment. And we weren't sure at that moment, what was going to happen, but we definitely felt a peace about moving forward. And so we did, um, quickly because she was due really quick and she was already seven months along and had just got her first ultrasound. And, um, I, um, I had been told that she was having a boy, um, and I was thrilled. I didn't care obviously either way, but I will say I grew up with all, I have three younger sisters and we had all girls in my family, lots of girl cousins, girl aunts. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when I'm talking to her, uh, I kept referring to, I, I, a couple times, I think I referred to her baby as a boy and she finally kind of stopped me and looked at me and she was like, you know, it's a girl. Right. And I was just Aww. like, oh. <laughs> I always really, really, if I could only have one baby, you know, I mm-hmm. just felt like I had always prayed for a little girl, you know, to have that, um, mother daughter bond. 
Mm-hmm. My sims have boys and they're amazing too. Wouldn't change that. But at the time it felt kind of just like a little extra added reassurance yeah. blessing to me. Um, it didn't matter, but it was just a cool little thing that yeah. was like, oh, okay. Yay. <laughs> so um, we met her that night and um, she chose us, which was amazing. We got the, you know, all the stuff that you have to do with the social worker, hired our lawyer, hired her lawyer, got her some counseling and um, just, we pretty much had to do it all of ourselves. That's the only downside when you do a private adoption. But at the time I didn't have any kids and I was all in being organized Mm -hmm. and making sure everything was done. And I don't know, I just had a good sense that she wasn't going to change her mind. I wasn't sure about the birth dad, but I, I just felt like that she was pretty sure that, you know, this was the right thing for her. So she actually called us, um, when she went into labor and we got to go up to the hospital and I just thought it was really cool for someone as young as she was, she actually labored for about 10 hours and we were waiting in the waiting room. And then when it was about time for Ellie to come, uh, her aunt came and got me and she said, Brittany wants to know if you want to be in the birth room and watch Ellie be born. Oh, you just started crying because we didn't know at the time. I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up just talking. About well, it. and that is like you exactly. said for a 15 year old to have. Right. Now we were at the head of her bed, obviously trying to like yeah. make it as modest as possible. But um, oh, at the time, I wasn't sure girl. we'd ever like be able to experience um the beauty of having a birth. You know, yeah. I mean, we had already tried a long time to get pregnant, and we had been told it was going to be really hard. So. It was just like an extra blessing to be able to be in the delivery room and, um, and, um, while she was doing those final pushes and then, um, our daughter came out and, you know, Brittany had a hard time and she just kind of looked away, but I cut the cord and then, uh, the hospital that, um, she delivered at, they had an extra birthing room. So they gave my husband and I that birthing suite for free. you know, they can't charge us, but they just had it available. So our whole family got to come visit Ellie and she let us, you know, have Ellie in our, in our room. And it kind of felt like the first couple days, um, it was a little bit surreal. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I had just like, I was babysitting a child. Mm -hmm. Like I loved Ellie immediately, but I, I didn't bond with her right away. Ironically, like I kind of thought I would, um, which I think, um, you know, if I'm being honest, not a lot of people maybe talk about that because obviously they love their adopted mm-hmm. children. But initially I did feel like this sense of, oh, okay. Am I enough for her? Is mm-hmm. this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, ironically, my husband, who was a little bit more nervous about adopting bonded with her immediately, like in the hospital for me, it was, um, she had to just spend like a night in foster care, um, which was so cool <laughs> because we were, we were crushed that she had to, but the way the judici- judicial system works, you have to, um, like they only hear temporary custody cases on certain days of the week. And so if the hospital is ready to discharge, then you have to, you know, they have to go in foster care for a okay. night or two to, until you get that temporary custody custody granted. So she had to go to foster care. And this is just kind of a cool side story, but another little thing that I just love about our adoption journey. Um, 
so we were sad that day because she was going to have to go to foster care for one night and we had been in the hospital, you know, three nights with her and did mm-hmm. all the getting the feedings with her at night and stayed in the hospital. And it was just really, really exhausting, but really amazing. And then she had to go to foster care. Well, the foster parents came up to get her and I'm not kidding when I say the lady was 80 years old, she was her 443rd foster baby. Whoa. Like she had done it 30 or 40 years. I was going to say she's devoted a huge portion of her life to these these little ones. She could tell that my mama heart was hurting a little bit to let Ellie go with her. I mean, it was just disappointing. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I know it's the rule, but we're ready to take her. There does seem like there should be a way around. Like that doesn't seem like that. I don't know if there is now, but at that time, maybe because we hadn't gone through an agency, I'm not really sure, but we, it was legally not allowed for us to take her home. Um, And so she invited, she saw me at the hospital. I helped her get into Ellie's car. And the funny Mm -hmm. thing was we had to let her borrow Ellie's car seat out of our car that we had bought brand new because her car seat was so ancient that the hospital nurse was like, I'm not letting this baby drive home. (laughs) So she had been around the block. Like she Uh was like, oh, it's fine. And, you know, just Mm -hmm. old school, like my crib is none of the things in her house were like what you would right. Oh, she invited us over to her house for dinner that night. So Aww. we got to go over to her. She took Ellie, but then a couple hours later, we met her at her house and she had a nine month old at her house crawling around. Wow. Who had some, you know, just developmental delays okay. because she was born like, um, a meth addict baby, you know? Aww. And so she had had some delays, cutest little girl. And her husband, I kid you not, was in a wheelchair. Nicest couple. Yeah. Her own garden out back and just offered us sweet tea. And we just sat down and chatted. And we had four hours of conversation on their back porch while I held my precious new daughter in my hands. And, and then Matt would have a turn. And then we just stared at her. And then uh, they told us about their foster journey of their 443 <laughs> Foster I cannot kids. believe that. Some of them they had for years and others, they only had a night or two. Like they were going to only have Ellie a night or two. And I said, do your kids think you're crazy? I mean, I just can't imagine like 80 mm-hmm. years old, like you should, they were retired, but this mm-hmm. is the still, she said, well, they just know not to argue with us about it anymore. They, they just know it keeps us young. And as long as the Lord gives me the strength to do it, I'm just going to keep doing it. And I don't even think the department you know, even checked her home anymore. Cause she had mm-hmm. just been a foster mom so long. They, they just knew that she was a reliable and loving person because her crib looked like it was 20 years old with like the bars that came down that, you mm-hmm. know, is not compliant anymore, but mm-hmm. I didn't say anything. I was like, this lady obviously knows what she's doing. <laughs> my my is in, 43 yes, wow. my is in great hands. So we just had such a nice time talking with them and hearing their journey to parenthood. And they had adopted some of their kids and some of them they had biologically, but just hearing their journey of, um, how they had been called the foster was like really amazing. Just yeah. amazing. So, um, and the cool thing was that little girl that they were fostering, her niece was in the process of adopting her. They were totally oh, Yes. Yeah, so foster mom yes, was going to adopt the nine month old, but she was crawling around the whole time. And I was just like in amazement that she was going to have this newborn infant all night. So the next morning we went to, uh, the 
court and we were granted temporary custody of Ellie, which doesn't mean the adoption is final. Unfortunately, it couldn't be because the birth dad would not sign off. Mm. Um, he just wouldn't make contact with our lawyer. And so that meant it was six months until her adoption was final, which was kind of scary. But Stressful. that day we were granted temporary custody and we were able to go grab Ellie um, from that sweet couple. And when we got there, I was kind of just like asking her, like, how did it go? <laughs> did, did Ellie sleep for you? Oh, she was up about every two hours, but she did great. And I was like, aren't you tired? She goes, Oh, I'll just take a little snooze today. I'm fine. I'm fine. I was like, Oh, wow. I'm not sure if I'm going to be fine tonight, but good. Wow. That lady <laughs> sounds, that woman just sounds amazing. Oh, she was. So she made sure to tell us like, you're invited back to my house anytime and please keep in touch. And I'm praying for you guys. And I'm just so happy that you get to be parents to Ellie and just God bless you. And so we left and, um, on the way home from picking her up, we had to stop by Walmart because we hadn't had a baby shower yet. We, we knew enough about adoption and just some of our friends that had gone through it. We just chose to, you know, get our nursery semi ready because we had faith that we were going to be parents someday, somehow, even before we got the call about Ellie, but, um, hadn't really got a whole lot else to be honest with yeah. you. We were just you know, besides the crib <laughs> and the mm-hmm. car seat. So we had to make a little Walmart stop on the way home. And, um, Matt was holding Ellie and at the checkout counter, you know, after all that drama of him being unsure if this was our path, you know, and just, you know, it, was, it caused a little friction in our marriage at the time that we were going through it because I was so sure that Ellie was meant to be in our family and he was just so scared. And I'm like, huh. Oh, this is fate. Come on. Why can't you see this? You know, but in the checkout counter, he's holding Ellie and I'm putting the diapers and the wipes and all the stuff on the checkout. And he looks at me dead serious in the eye. And he's like, I just love her so much. I just think everyone should adopt <laughs> looking at him. And I'm like, I'm so happy you feel that way. And he's like, I just love her so much. I, I just cannot believe how much I love her. So mm-hmm. it obviously his bond happened. Yeah. Like, immediately. And then I felt like for me, as soon as we walked into our own house mm-hmm. and I knew I had temporary custody of Ellie, I all of a sudden felt like no longer, like I had just watched someone else birth a baby and I was watching it, mm-hmm. um, babysitting. I, I felt like, no, this is my daughter, you know? And it, it just took me a few extra days to kind of mm-hmm. mentally get my head wrapped around it. I think I had just watched someone birth this baby and it just felt a little surreal and um but then as soon as we got her home we um definitely bonded and then we were granted um custody six months later and so that was obviously a day that we celebrated and just felt extremely thankful for um I mean I wouldn't change I wouldn't change our adoption story for anything and that is a beautiful story and there's so many little parts of it that are individual little parts that are amazing. And there are so many just kind people that were all part of it, you know, starting from the aunt that thought of you guys. And then of course the biological mom and then the foster mom of 400 kids. It's, yeah, it's crazy. incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And Ellie's birth mom, Brittany, she did write her a letter, mm-hmm. um, 
that we can give her whenever we choose to give her, mm-hmm. give it to her, which we haven't yet. Cause she, she decided on a closed adoption. It was really hard for her mm-hmm. to give Ellie up. Yeah. I mean, she knew that she probably needed to, she didn't have a lot of support herself. I kind of mm-hmm. wish I could adopted her too. Yeah. She's precious, but, mm-hmm. um, just the utmost respect for her. She absolutely, she did a really hard thing and just, yeah. uh, we talked, you know, about once or twice a year, uh, the birth mom, mom and I do, and, mm-hmm. you know, I give her pictures of Ellie and just kind of a general mm-hmm. update. And she yeah. just tells us how thankful she is for us. And I say right back at you. <laughs> Where yeah. you? Okay. It should be, it, it just sounded different, but we'll go from there. Okay. So you can share whatever else you want to about Ellie, or if you feel like you're good with Ellie, then, um, we can just go on with the twins. Um, trying to think, I don't, I feel like you had a beautiful, I mean, I feel like you were Oh, you were talking about Brittany at the end and that just kind of your communication with her. So, yeah. So she just, um, you know, gave us a letter to give to Ellie someday. And then we gave her, you know, like a little necklace with Ellie's birthstone month on it. Oh, that's um, really sweet. With um, just like a little inscription on the back of the necklace. So I just think adoption was a really beautiful um, thing. I know it doesn't always end happy, um, but for us, it did. And we, it's not lost on us how lucky we are to have that private adoption because um, at the time for us, that made it much more financially doable. And, um, Mm -hmm. but then even more than that, it definitely felt like God meant for Ellie to be our daughter. And there were a lot of pieces of that story that it was like, that was meant to be, that was also living in California when she got pregnant and somehow ended up here and five times removed. We heard about her. It just felt very, um, very meant to be. And so it was just, you know, a miracle and definitely an answer to our, our prayers. So we had, um, to segue into how, uh, we got our next two kids, (laughs) um, we, uh, we had Ellie for six and a half years and through those six and a half years, um, when, when Matt and I got married, we definitely wanted a bigger family. Um, three or four kids would have been maybe our ideal, you know, when you're back newly married and talking about your dreams of life. And, um, but once we had Ellie, we still knew like, you know, we really would like more children, but we weren't exactly sure how that was going to happen. But we went ahead and pursued um, IVF and we didn't do it all at once. Just, it's so hard. You know, I know you've been there just like financially draining, emotionally draining, physically draining, just in every way it's draining. So I know some people just like do it back to back to back, but for us, um, we did four IVFs, but it was over a period of six years. So we started pretty quick, actually, after Ellie was born um, down that path. And I don't know, just to kind of recover from sure. yeah. and um, getting our hopes up. And then um, we uh, went a different route. And so it was a hard decision. But for our third IVF, we um, decided to do donor egg. And that was because, um, you know, my eggs, I had just not poor quality, poor quantity. And so the doctor really felt like that might be the problem. And so he gave us, this as an option said we, you know, and so it was definitely a really, another really hard decision. Um, one of those things I think 
when you're on this journey of infertility, you say, oh, I'll never do this. And then you do that. And then mm-hmm. you're told, so okay, true. Now this, you know, you probably will never get pregnant with your eggs. And then you think, oh, I'll never do that. And then you step over that line. I just think it's taught me in life, um, just to be a little bit more open-minded and a little less judgmental, no matter what someone's going through, whether it's infertility or whether it's a loved one being sick or the choices they make around their cancer diagnosis or how they take care of a loved one or how they parent their children. I just think it's taught me to be a little less judgmental. Cause I will say, unless you've walked in the exact same shoes as someone has walked, which all of us have really variations, you know, different variations of maybe the same journey, but you just never know what you're, you know, you will feel is right. And so, so true. true. we prayed about it and we felt like, um, we felt peace about it. And so we moved on and we did an anonymous donor and I, you know, had some moments of hesitation about it, but overall I was just, you know, just, I knew even with Ellie, just that same concept, like I knew I would love any baby, even if it wasn't genetically mine, I already knew that, but Mm -hmm. still would have loved, really wanted to go through pregnancy. So the uh, third IVF didn't work. And that was a real, that was a hard pill to swallow because we had done donor egg and we were just really certain this one will be it, you know? Um, and then by the fourth one, we were down to our last two frozen embryos. And I was, um, you know, in my late thirties and we were just like, we're going to, we're going to do these last two frozen embryos because they're there. We didn't have really high hopes going into it, but I kind of actually relaxed probably about the whole thing. Cause I was just so certain that mm-hmm. it would work mm-hmm. that I know I'm crazy, but I did IVF that morning and I went down to the plaza that night for like, uh, the art show and walked around. And then the next day I went to my normal gym class and instead of putting my feet up for three days and watching Netflix, I just kind of like went about my life that week, like nothing had happened. Yeah. Because I think it was just like this protective mechanism to protect my brain. I don't know, but it worked. And so our last two frozen embryos were our twins, um, Zachary and Emerson. And, um, you know, we found out they were twins, obviously pretty early on. And I had a really great pregnancy, um, just felt pretty good and wasn't really that nauseous. Definitely tired, (laughs) definitely like a little, you know, just the normal pregnancy stuff, but overall I loved, loved, loved being pregnant. And I know I'm lucky. I know not every girl has that story, but I, uh, had a great pregnancy and really enjoyed it. Um, got to have a baby shower, you know, just all the things that maybe I didn't get to experience the first time around, Mm -hmm. um, had a little more time to repair. Um, but when I was uh, six and a half months pregnant, I was taking my daughter and her two of her friends to Lima Keegan park. And we were um, on Chipman road and we had a high speed impact rear end impact where the lady was going 50 miles an hour and rear ended us. And Mm -hmm. she, um, hit and ran. She backed right back out of my car and it made me hit the person in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like double impact. Um, and I could feel the seatbelt across my big six and a half month pregnant belly. Oh my gosh. Daughter screaming. It totaled our car. Um, she didn't have insurance. Um, she was on her cell phone and she was drunk. So it was not a great combination. Probably shouldn't have been driving, but obviously in that moment, um, 
the impact, you know, at 50 miles an hour at a dead stop is pretty, pretty intense. So when you're pregnant, it felt like just, you know, like I was really jarred and I thought I, I just, I, I was just inconsolable (laughs) to be honest with you. And, um, the neighbor called 911 and I was taken by ambulance to um, the hospital and spent the weekend there. But thankfully um, my babies were okay. I really thought I had lost them after going through that much to get them. Thankfully my babies were okay, but, and I was okay. And my daughter was okay. And her friends were okay. The car was totaled, but we all, you know, were okay. So it was scary, but I was thankful, but I feel like that event a few weeks later, I, um, found out I had preeclampsia. I went into the doctor and I said, Hey, look at my feet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're looking a little swollen. I've never been pregnant before. Is this normal? But I'm a nurse. And so I kind of thought maybe something was wrong, but I wasn't sure. And I knew I had this appointment coming up. So I, I didn't really call prior to, but my feet were like elephant legs. Like my tiny little bird legs were like elephant trunk legs. And they took one look at me and then took my blood pressure and it was like, you know, over 200 systolic. And so they were like, Oh, you are going to be admitted today. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. I'm not done with my nursery. (laughs) Some errands to run. Can I come right back? They're like, no, you you're being admitted today. So, um, that was at the point where I, I kind of feel like the wreck maybe threw me, my body into some stress responses that then triggered, triggered preeclampsia, which they don't understand everything about preeclampsia yet. But, Mm -hmm. um, at that point I was admitted and just told I was going to be there for the long haul. You know, if that was days or a month, you know, just every day that we could keep them in would be better for them. And so I kind of got my head wrapped around that, but I started getting really short of breath. Um, and I would tell the staff that, but they would kind of revert back to like, well, do you have a history of anxiety or depression? Have you ever been an anxious person? And I'm like, no, I mean, no, <laughs> pretty happy. I don't really think I have, no, you know, I'm a little anxious about this, but mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's normal. I've not really had true anxiety or never been on any medicine for it or anything. And so they would kind of revert back to that line of questioning and my oxygen levels maintained, you know, okay. And then let's see, three or four days into the hospital, I just kept becoming more short of breath and I just felt like something wasn't right. I was on blood pressure medicine to help, you know, control the, my blood pressure, but I felt kind of like the best way I can describe it. I kind of felt like a sense of impending doom. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I really did. And I did feel anxious. Like I felt like I was kind of having a panic attack and I told the doctor and, um, they went ahead and did like a VQ scan to check for, um, a pulmonary embolism and just having been an ICU nurse. Um, I knew that that is not good. And so that kind of did make me more anxious, but Thankfully, it was not that. And they don't do a lot of scans when you're pregnant, as you know, because mm-hmm. you don't really want to expose your babies to all that. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of unique. Um, they don't usually do VQ scans and inject you with dye unless they feel like, you know, your life is mm-hmm. threatened. And so I had to go through that and it came back that I did not have 
an embolism. So we were thankful, but then I just kept getting worse despite that. And so through the night, I had a really hard time breathing. And the next morning when the doctor rounded, I just told him again, I felt really short of breath and my oxygen level was starting to drop by this point, just by a little, because you, you know, your body compensates for a while, especially if you're healthy and young and Um, he's like, you know, I really didn't want to do this, but I'm going to send you down for a chest x-ray. And I, you know, was wheeled down and did that. And they, my lungs were completely full of fluid. So I had Mm -hmm. full on pulmonary edema and that made them go ahead and, you know, do an emergency C-section. And by this point I was pretty out of it. I don't really remember a whole lot of my twins being born, And I don't really remember seeing them until about 12 hours after their birth, but I remember being put on some medicine and just being told that they had to go now. And if my husband made it back, great. And if he didn't, you know, but he actually did, (laughs) he made it back. He was working that day Um, because we just kind of thought we were going to be in the hospital for the long haul. And then we had to kind of resume, you know, life. Mm -hmm. He couldn't be there with me 24 seven if I was going to be in the hospital forever, but he made it back. And I, uh, my twins were born pretty good weight for, you know, 31 and a half weeks, they were born like four and a half pounds. So, mm-hmm. um, pretty chunky for, for yeah. uh, that they were happy with that. And they did have to be in the NICU for about a month, but they were just what they call grower feeder babies. So we were really thankful and, um, they just had to get a little bigger, a little stronger, learn how to mm-hmm. suck. Um, but for me, um, it was just kind of a hard time just because, you know, I still had a six and a half year old at home and, uh, just NICU life is hard <laughs> for that month. But I actually had to remain in the hospital for like, I don't remember the exact amount of time, eight or 10 days after just because my blood pressure wouldn't quite go down. And that's kind of unusual, but it ended up that I had some cardiomyopathy from, the preeclampsia and pulmonary edema, my, my ejection fraction dropped a little. And so some of those symptoms were ongoing. So I, you know, I went home with a cardiac monitor that summer and (laughs) went home with infant twins and just was honestly went from working out every day before I got pregnant with them. Um, I wouldn't say I was like crazy into it, but in pretty good shape to feeling short of breath, just going up my own house stairs that Mm -hmm. summer and feeling not really sure if I'd ever get back to my normal self. So it's definitely like that summer was a little overwhelming. Um, we had a lot of help, a lot of family, um, and thankful, thankfully for me, um, the cardiomyopathy has since resolved. It took about a year and it just kind of kept slowly getting better every time I saw the cardiologist, but now I'm, my ejection fraction came back up and sometimes it doesn't. So I feel really thankful short of breath and definitely, um, you know, okay. So kind of came through that with two beautiful babies and a summer that I hardly remember because <laughs> I was sure. so tired <laughs> uh, every hour in the night. I know you remember. Yes. Yeah. It's really exhausting. I just interviewed another mom a couple nights ago time. and that's what we were talking about. We're like, I know I ate and sleep, so I ate and slept at some point in there. Cause I had to, but I don't remember doing any of it. I hardly remember. I remember crying a lot and I don't even really think I had postpartum. I think I was just overtired. So tired. Everything mm-hmm. made me cry. Well, and you were dealing, I mean, you were 
yes, you were dealing with twin, brand new baby twins, and you had a six-year-old, and your body was recovering from something huge that most of us don't experience. On top of a C-section, which is big enough by itself. So, yes, man, it was just are- a crazy summer, um, but strong mama <laughs> in awe of our twins. And we got through it with a lot of help. It takes a village and we have a really good village. So that's very important. Um, lots of friends that helped out with our six-year-old good. running her places, but still, yes, it was a blur. Um, but that leads into my fourth baby. Um, so I breastfed the twins as long as I could. They always had to be supplemented. The NICU and just being sick myself, I had always supplemented. Mine were always supplemented formula, too. But I tried mm-hmm. to give them as much breast milk as I could give them, but I still had a supplement. We did kind of like half and half, but at around seven months, I was just, it's like my body was just done. I just kind of was like drying up. It wasn't worth it anymore. So I stopped pumping and, um, mind you, um, I was 38 when I had my twins. So I was almost, so I was 39, I believe at this point. And, or I just, I was about to turn 39 <laughs> and I'm getting all mixed up. I'm sorry. I don't no, know. That's okay. I was, but all I, I can know never remember like how old I, I am. Seven months old yeah. and I stopped breastfeeding and, you know, we've been, we had tried to get naturally pregnant for years and years and years and years. So the last thing in my mind was getting pregnant naturally, but lo and behold, somehow I did. And so I had no idea I was pregnant with baby number four until I was about 12 weeks along, which is crazy because you find out so soon when you do IVF, I mean, you know, right away that you're pregnant, but I just had a good pregnancy and maybe the twins were just so distracting. And I just thought that my periods were irregular because of the breastfeeding. I had no clue. Mm -hmm. And you're probably thinking you were really tired because you had newborn twins. Yes. So the only symptom I had for this pregnancy, which I think you have a little more symptoms when you have twins because your HCG is higher, but the only symptom I had that just made me do a quick little Google search on my phone one night was I was having really weird, vivid dreams, like very colorful dreams, very vivid dreams, dreams that I remembered in the morning. And that was very unusual for me. And I was like, have I changed anything like in my diet? Like what would all of a sudden be giving me these very vivid dreams, but not change anything else. So I just Googled it one day. Cause I was really curious. Cause I would wake up in the morning with these just spectacular dreams. And I've never had that in my life. Not even nightmares. A lot of them were good dreams, but just mm-hmm. crazy dreams. So I Googled it one morning when I woke up and it said that in like, I don't know, a a small percentage of pregnancies, like people report these vivid dreams. And I was like, huh? So I kind of like tucked that in the back of my head and, and kind of went about my life. To be honest, I, I was so sure that that wasn't it. Cause I didn't really feel pregnant Mm -hmm. and we were told we would never have kids naturally by multiple doctors. Like even the first doctor we went to when we did our number one and two IVF really had recommended donor egg. He just said, I'll let you try it with Mm -hmm. your egg, but I don't have high hopes, you know? So we kind of had known a long time that this was probably not possible for us. Plus I'm almost 40. So I (laughs) had my 40th birthday celebration with all my friends and, you know, all the festivities and felt great. And then a few weeks later, I 
was kind of walking around Target and my mom was in my car with my twins while I ran in there real quick to get one of them Tylenol. You know how that goes. Grandma's helping. Let's not drag them all in the car, drag them all in Target. She's going to stay in the car. And I walked by to get Tylenol for one of the babies and just happened to see the little pregnancy test in Target and thought to myself, oh, that's surely not it. But I hadn't had a period in a while, but I, I really did think it was just because my hormones were all out of whack from pregnancy mm-hmm. and breastfeeding and my heart problems and all that. But I went ahead. And then once I started thinking about, it, I couldn't not like, I just wanted to do it right then. So I just went mm-hmm. in the target bathroom and checked it <laughs> and it turned positive within like a second. Like it oh didn't take a minute. I mean, it was just like, boom, you're pregnant. I mean, it was just right away instant. And I kind of sat there and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't I can't believe this. This is crazy. Kind of feeling a little overwhelmed with just seven month old twins. Yeah. Oh, I would have been very overwhelmed. How am I going to do this? I still wasn't a hundred percent with my health at that point, but, um, went back out to the car and I told my mom and of course I'm like happy, but still really like unsure, like feeling kind of overwhelmed. Like maybe this baby isn't going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And just, I'm 40 now, mm-hmm. you know, I just felt very shell-shocked, happy, sad. Like I kind of felt like I could laugh and cry at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I tell my mom and she's just kind of in shock. And so in true mother fashion, when she wasn't trying to be mean, but if she's trying to make me feel better, she says, oh, honey, I am sure that is just some kind of false positive. Mm-hmm. I bet it's just that you are going into early menopause. Oh. So then I start bawling. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm way too old. <laughs> then I'm like, I don't think that comment helps. But uh, sure enough, I get into the doctor the very next day and we are 12 weeks along about, or, you know, the ultrasound showed about 12 weeks and um, with our little boy. So, uh, we, that's the way we found out. And that pregnancy was actually really great. And I made it, you know, full term. And my doctor had said that most of the time preeclampsia is you're way more high risk to have it when you have twins, Mm -hmm. um, or multiples. So, uh, thankfully that pregnancy was a lot smoother. You know, I made it full term and, uh, our crazy little man Rowan arrived. And so now that is how we have four kids. And now I'm 44 with, uh, you know, three under the age of five and just loving life. Oh my gosh. That is such the coolest story. I just, there's so many ways to make a family and it's so cool that you have multiple ways in your, in your family. I know. Um, It's really crazy to have experienced every single way. And I know. And then your story about the car accident and then the heart and lung issues. I mean, that is so terrifying and it's so, I mean, but it has such a happy ending, you know? And so I think that'll, you know, cause that happens sometimes with things with pregnancy. And so I I'm glad to be able to put happy, you know, happy endings, good results out there too. Mm-hmm. So, and you have such a beautiful family and I really appreciate you sharing how you got everybody. Um, I have one last question and that's the one I ask all my moms and that's <laughs> if you could go anywhere and do anything anywhere in the world, do anything you want to, where would you go and what would you do? Oh man, anything in the world, anything. Hmm. Well, that kind of goes back to the beginning. My dream is to just go to Italy and 
wake up and have coffee in a little cafe and then ride my bike and um have a little lunch date with my hubby and yeah pig out on pasta and bread and wine that sounds amazing and then that does yeah just go somewhere romantic that sounds fun but honestly my perfect day at home right now is just taking a shower and maybe mm-hmm. reading a little bit and doing yeah. a little yoga or taking a walk with a friend so I mean you know it's really busy right now so I yeah take those little moments when we get them but it's important to take a little bit of time to ourselves when we can <laughs> very important and I'm glad you're enjoying those little things at home and then I really hope you guys get to plan this trip for your big 20th anniversary yes I'll have to tell you when I see you at the swim meet yes <laughs> please, please do please do so. all right well thank you so much for spending part of your night with us here and sharing about all of your miracle kiddos um I really appreciate it I'm very happy for your family thanks Heather Hey everyone, I wanted to jump on here real quick and remind you about my books. So Learning to Breathe is our NICU journey from when my twins were born at 24 weeks and just a pound and a half each. And then the NICU Mama Survival Guide is a book I wrote combining my knowledge as a pelvic health PT who's worked in postpartum care for a really long time with my experience as a NICU mom to help moms recover, even though the little one is in the NICU, to help them recover from their pregnancy and delivery. Both books are available on Amazon. Thanks for joining us today on the Mama Sisterhood podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any extraordinary motherhood journeys. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review. This helps me reach more moms. See you next week.